curious how this will be relevant. As am I. JJ will remember how it's relevant in a minute. So I don't right now, so that's I'm excited to learn about future me. What what have you forgotten, JJ? Two hundred and seventy five times JJ has forgotten hello. Hello. JJ Michael. Hey everybody. Two hundred and seventy five. Uh this was a long weekend. Welcome back. It's work time at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> it's not work to talk to no. you guys. What? Uh what? <laughs> no. I yeah. I only re- barely remembered that it was a Monday like uh, at six o'clock today <laughs> other people around me forgot that it was a monday today and have uh maybe derailed a little bit of our plans tonight but that's okay we're gonna do it anyway forge on as they say uh hello what forge forge on oh oh i heard what you heard, what, I heard. Yeah. what what did you hear we both wanted to know who john was and why yeah. we were doing it for him for john that's why I uh, thought. Is this like the four Frodo thing, and I don't know about it? Like, what's going oh, what's on? What's the four Frodo thing? The line that Aragorn says at the end of Return of the King as they charges the gates. Oh, I thought that was like a there was like an internet meme. I thought you were saying like oh, there's I, a four Frodo internet meme, and I was very yep. excited for a second. Just, everything is an internet meme if you try hard enough. I suppose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, speaking of the internet, uh, welcome back. It's 275 episodes. Um, JJ. Would you call it a positive interaction we had on the internet? Uh, unclear, I guess. I don't know. Okay. It didn't seem bad. Michael, we got into it on the internet. Uh-oh. Were people wrong? No, no, no one was wrong, I don't think. Uh, there were some numbers thrown around for MechWarrior 5 and its performance after its relaunch out of exclusivity onto multiple platforms uh and i think i mistook some numbers to be worse than they were but the numbers once corrected were not great um art of BattleTech was the person that we were talking to on this issue who is n- notably more knowledgeable than us in the mech warrior battle tech universe yeah to be clear that person is way more dedicated to the brand than we are for sure and has knowledge that we don't, and uh, okay. correctly pointed out that this game is a success, no matter what metrics you're using. I mean, at the end of the day, right, if the developer considers it a, it considers it a success, which was apparently hard for me to say, great. Yeah. Like, they don't have to, you know, that's good. if that's good enough for them, great. Yeah. But, but Michael, if I were to tell you that in one year you sold 200,000 copies. And in three months, you sold 130,000 copies. Which decision would you make uh, in terms of the longevity of your game? To go with whatever platform the second set of sales came from. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you would make that decision, I would think, also. So... um, the discussion revolved around a little bit of, and, and I suggest people read it on Twitter and comment and tell us what their thoughts were, uh, because we're happy to engage on this kind of thing. Cause it's not a, uh, black and white cut and dry, uh, situation. And I think that, um, some people who are very ingrained in the industry have one opinion of whether or not something is good or not. 
because it makes them money and other people like JJ correctly pointed out also uh, noticed that from outside of it, it doesn't look very good actually um, to the naked eye. And so you'd say, Hmm, is maybe this something worth watching? And it's a question of, you know, and it's a question of not just the, like the exclusivity agreement, right? Because yeah, they sell X number of copies in the, during the exclusivity period. Right. But we don't know what happened on the other end. Like, of course, maybe not. there was a check written don't. for fifty million dollars. Of course, there was yeah, a check written, but it, but probably not for fifty million dollars, right? <laughs> right? But like that's because we don't know how much that check was versus you know was it right. up front? Was it like day one? Was it after the fact? Like how it, how any of this stuff is structured? No one has the full information except for the people working there, and they aren't going to say no. And so. It, Everyone is sort of in the dark here and sort of like leaving to guesstimate. And, you know, when the only thing we can look at is the numbers we do have, which is, you know, the sales data that you can sort of figure out, you know, offhandedly or what they announce. And it looks like it's selling quite a bit faster on this other platform. And it sort of makes you go like, well, if that was the case, how much faster would it have sold had you launched yeah. there originally? If right? it was, because the, yeah. Yeah. If, yep. And that was the platform of choice. I mean, remember they went through the uh, having to refund people situation because it was during the Epic Games, we're going to buy everything and put it on our platform, heyday. Um, and they went through that, well, you told me it was going to be on Steam, I want a refund phase. I got to imagine there aren't too many people doing that. But You'd think it's you are less right than that it's not 10%, good. right? Like less than yeah. 10%. Way less, probably, yeah. Especially considering it was... Steam versus Epic, and people can just be like, well, I guess I'll just install it through the other platform. Um, but the, you know, 200,000 day one sales that were a lot of them probably pre order situations, right? Uh, I'm yeah, saying 200,000 because they said hundreds of thousands, and there's no way to know. Um, some people, you know, this Art of Battletech person who's very nice, I, I don't want to say, it, I don't want it to sound like right. I'm being negative. Yeah, or like um, we didn't get into a flame war here. We had a discussion on the internet. Yeah, that wasn't a, a good mean. one, I think. Yeah. But they, they had a higher opinion of what hundreds of thousands could mean than I would have when I hear a very vague term, right? I feel like the way you announce, like if you're announcing a vague term, right, you say hundreds of thousands. That means 200,000 to me. It means 200. If you say 500,000, that could be anywhere from like 450 to like 599. Because otherwise you would say, you know, 600 plus or 800 plus or a million right if you were that close you would say yeah. oh a million sales if you were at like 990 well very clearly they said 160,000 new sales on their relaunch which was 22 point something million dollars and you know there's a cut there for both platforms right and how much sure. that actually goes back to them and how much of it goes back to the people who actually made the game versus the publisher and like the, all that stuff is a business is a giant mess <laughs> And so, <laughs> you know, all of that and, you know, and who is actually making the deal, right? Is it the people making the game? Do they make the deal or does the publisher make the deal and the publisher just takes the free money and, you know, the game be damned? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting to hear uh, other people's opinion because, I mean, I think we have discussed on this podcast where I fall on this. So yeah, And I kind of fell in between the two uh, areas of of interest there, which was 
one was uh, i think his was his or his or her i guess position was it's good for the publisher the developer yours was it's bad for the customer and i was like well i see both sides because it's great it's great for them and it's bad for them and both things can be true at the same time you know without one person being wrong really um yeah yeah that was a good discussion and if people have any thoughts about that i mean we're we're past the time of uh, the Epic Game Store kind of coming out and buying up everything and making it exclusive, and and uh, I'd be curious uh, I to mean, see. They what... are they are definitely still making exclusive deals all the time. So. Absolutely, absolutely. But the the kerfuffle over games that had been in production versus versus now just saying something is exclusive from the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah, sir. Um, the deals are happening earlier in production as opposed to people saying waiting until like a week before the game is out and then going yeah. actually just getting Epic. Um, if, if anybody had thoughts on that, they should email us because it was a fun discussion to have, uh, podcast at wewergamers.com. Speaking of the internet, the only place you can play this really, because the numbers would be too hard. Otherwise fantasy football. Yes, it's back. It's back. It's back. And, uh, there have been some, uh, lineups flying around. Michael. Burrow's not going to get it done. You don't think so? Not in the long term? I think you're streaming a quarterback, bud. Let's talk about it. Uh, I might be. I might be. But that was that was really the the only uh the only place in my draft where I really sort of got foiled on uh any any of my plans was at QB. I think well, was... that's I, I I think I your strategy is not wrong in no, being to take a QB till the later rounds. Late QBs are the way to football. win. Right. Uh, Especially in, in a snake, right? In a snake, for sure. I'm very strongly of that opinion. Late QBs are the way to win. It, if you're going to spend a bunch of money on a... Well, okay, so I'm starting to talk about auctions again. But in a snake, <laughs> right, your your position matters a lot. And there are a lot of QBs, once you get past like the first couple, two or three you know, highest level guys kind of the rest of them are sort of like kind of interchangeable, right? Sure. You're you're not likely to get giant deviations from a pretty good level until you drop way down into the guys that are playing on like the Jets or <laughs> teams that hand yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, like really and or teams that are just like truly awful and just can accomplish nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's totally, and depending on how big your league is, right? If it's a 10-team league, especially, like, look, who cares? There's way yeah. more than 10 good quarterbacks. Yep, oh, yeah. mine is, mine's a 10-team league, so I was I was definitely not worried about that. There are a top five, I would say, that will get you a consistent... Mm, hold on. There are a top five that will get you a lot of points most weeks, but some weeks they will suffer because of a game plan situation. Mm-hmm. Then there's like yep. a huge 10 quarterback middle round of like, they will get you a touchdown and mostly the points every week. And you have to be consistently expecting 16 points out of them and move on with your life. And that it might even be larger than 10 quarterbacks, but it's probably 10. So like you, then you're out of the top 15, right? And you're in a 10 team league. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So and at that's, that point, you have the option to play the defenses and be like, oh, okay, they're going to be playing against, you know, yeah. this particularly stingy defense. Maybe I should 
swap to a different random replacement level dude who will who happens to be playing a less terrible matchup. Are you guys excited about your fantasy lineups at all at this point? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, with all the rest of my lineup. Um, we made I I think I told you guys about this offline, but we made an interesting change to uh, one of the roster positions this year, which is to take the tight end slot and change it to a wide receiver slash tight end spot. Huh. And the idea there was because there is such a, a sharp decline in the NFL in terms of the top, I'd say three, maybe four tight ends and all of the others um, in terms of, you know, talent and um, offensive scheme too, in a lot of cases uh, that it seemed like a good way to try and level out the the playing field for people who didn't manage to grab one of those two or three top flight tight ends. It's an interesting choice, especially because you're totally right about the, the tight end position. Anyway, there's kind of like a tier one of guys, your Travis Kelsey's your George Kittles, your uh, Waller and those kinds of guys. Yep. And then there's kind of no, there's a huge gulf. <laughs> And then you get the like random guy who's going to get a touchdown this week. <laughs> and that's kind of it. There's like a, no other teams are really using consistently a tight end these days or, or haven't been at least as of last year. And it is, if you don't get one of those top several guys, and especially in a snake draft, you may just not have the option to ever pick them. Right, because it, it, it could just I go, though, you know, some guy randomly picks the best guy, and the next guy's like, oh, I'll take the next guy, and then the next guy, and now all the good tight ends are gone, and you were picked number seven, and you didn't even get a chance to see a tight end in the top set, you know? But even in a, especially in a snake draft, average draft position for a Travis Kelsey is 10. That's a first-round pick for a tight end. Yeah, it was higher this year. Because the man produces at an insane level. He's like a wide receiver one in your tight end slot. That's one player at the tight end slot. Kittle doesn't produce that way. Waller doesn't produce that way. Well, Andrews Kittle doesn't produce that way. Kittle, Kittle didn't, didn't produce that way year last year either. Because he got injured, right? Yeah. What are you doing? I mean, in my but opinion. I mean, when he that's... played, he was producing those kinds of numbers. Sure, but I think that's overvaluing the position by so much versus at a 10 position taking a running back or wide receiver. That's just insane. I mean, right. it's so about for, oh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say for, for level setting, I got, I got Kittle and I got him at 34. Whoa. Okay. I mean, certainly I would have taken that. Yeah. So that's, that is, that's a large part. That's of the an entire round past his normal average. draft. Exactly. Position. Exactly. So our, our draft this year and, and this league in the last couple of years has gone very running back heavy at the top. As it traditionally has been, but I would, I mean, personally, I would drop into the, and this has always been kind of my strategy is to drop into the like five, six, seven range of tight ends. Maybe, you know, draft them after you've got your wide receivers and your running backs, you know, I mean, Rob Gronkowski is still playing for Tampa Bay and his numbers were garbage last year. You yeah. don't want Gronkowski. 
I'm just saying there's a Hunter Henry's out there, Evan Ingram's. Oh, Hunter Henry's on Zach, the Patriots. Zach Ertz. Yes, because uh, Hunter Henry is on the Patriots, and he, the Patriots never use the tight end. He, he's not going to get fed like the Chargers were feeding him. I'm just saying, like, so the, the, it seems crazy the concern, to me to take a guy the in the first round me, at tight end position. So the concern that I and the way I understand it is that the reason running backs have always typically gone first in these drafts is because the position is weak. There aren't a lot of just amazing level running backs, right? The reason those guys go first is because once you get past the first 10 or so running backs, and even like even within the first 10, there's like and you have the to have two good ones and so bottom ten, good ones. So in a 10 team league, you need 20 serviceable ones to start. Sure. And so yep. in a in a tight end, you know, with a tight end only position, you need to have 10 tight ends worth playing in the league. And I don't think there are 10 worth playing in the league. I think there are like five. I'd say they're mostly offset because if you're not taking a Travis Kelsey in round one. But I'm saying it doesn't matter. You have to have a tight end on your roster. If you don't get one of the top five guys, you might as well just pick any of the other 32 out of a hat because they all suck. If you're hoping for touchdowns. That's all you're going to get. You will get ten, five yards a game. Stream it like a quarterback. I don't know. You could, and, and I mean, that's a totally reasonable option, right? And this is part of the reason why we made the change, right? Is so that you're not you're not forced into the position of feeling like that slot is a liability every week for seventy percent of the teams in the league. And hmm. That is the rationale behind it, right? Whether you agree with it or not, you know, uh, I that's think that's like saying we should take the kicker out because who knows? The, what the I know people do. have argued that we should take the kickers out, Andrew. <laughs> that people, that is not a surprising position to me. Especially when, you know, you especially see it happening right after a game where some guy happens to kick like seven field goals in a game and has your their kicker has 25 points and they blow the other team out because of the kicker. Right. I don't know. The positions are the the positions. The game is about luck and. You know that is the luck aspect of the sport. That's not but entirely I totally true. I don't be- think. I don't, I don't. I see. So I disagree a little bit with that, and that's one of the reasons I, I I started arguing with people about this. One of the reasons I stopped playing fantasy football vehemently is like part of the skill of the game is taking into effect random random chance. Like you, saying, "Oh, we should make it even everywhere for everybody," because it's hard for people to know who they should play is part of the reason that some people are better at fantasy football and some people aren't. I'm not going to argue with you there. That's certainly part of the part of playing the game. However, when multiple people in the league just get to feel bad for an entire season because they didn't get to pick a position that sucks. And, And like, you can do it the same way. You know, if you feel that there aren't enough good running backs to play, you could just play one running back instead of two, right, on every team. The game allows you to be flexible for a reason, and if people aren't enjoying it, they should you should change it so that they do enjoy it. That's my take. Fair too. Uh, And to be like, I have literally heard from people in the league that I am playing, (laughs) and we should remove the kickers because the variance is too high, and it causes the game to be bad. Right, like it removes the skill of the game when someone can randomly get thirty points from their kicker, and you know people argued whatever way, and we didn't end up doing it, but there were certainly people that were in favor of that. 
I got to ask JJ, were there any auction shenanigans this year in your draft? Uh, <laughs> I think uh, there are always some shenanigans in the auction. And I think I really wish more people would play auctions. They are so much more fun than snakes. I think that is the thing that I enjoy about the, about being in that league. You know, in an auction, right, you have the capability to get any player. You could fill your team with, you know, first round pick guys if you were somehow able to strategize that and your league mates were dumb and let you buy the people for cheap. Hmm. But like, you know, do you really want to have, you know, pick one on your team? You can make it happen, right? Uh, And that's the exciting part. So I also ended up with Travis Kelsey, although I think I way overpaid for him and it kind of then crippled a bunch of my further (laughs) players. (laughs) (laughs) The equivalent of taking him in the first round uh, then bid into my budget. And as a result, I ended up getting like, you know, some okay wide receivers and I like my quarterback, but my running backs are decimated. (laughs) Like I'm lucky to have like some RB2s here. I don't really have a like, starting running back oh no that's not true that's not true i do but he's chris carson on the seattle seahawks is like an okay starting running back i wouldn't say he's like the top tier kind of guy some people say your league isn't one at the draft i kind of see the point in that of like okay well let's say you drafted bad on your running backs you just really need to be paying attention to the wire for the first couple weeks to grab people totally like you can cripple yourself especially in these types of drafts of like yep so uh, you were totally right, have, Andrew. I can't recover this. You know, you were totally right in that it is not won on the draft, but it certainly can be lost. Yeah, absolutely. That is what I was yeah. going to say. And yeah, good point. I, and you know, there are a lot of different things that go into an auction, but the important thing there's like two or three important things, right? First is you have to be a lot more knowledgeable about the total number of players that are out there, and like which ones are remaining in which positions right it's like oh people have been drafting a lot of wide receivers because there's no order right like you don't have to pick the top guys first and put them up for auction How, first. who picks the order because make... wouldn't you just go an average draft position or something to make it fair uh so in terms of the so you have to think about it like this it goes you uh the order you nominate players right so like there's a snake but the snake or sorry there's not a snake it's just a round robin and it just the person whose turn it is picks any player in the league to nominate. Oh, okay. So you, huh. right. so, so you can say, I choose, you know, to nominate, um, you know, Travis Kelsey first. And then, you know, people can figure out what his price is, right? And it's an auction at that point. It's like, you know, you, you keep raising until someone decides no one wants to pay more. But you could choose to go, you could choose to pick like, Allen Robinson first, or <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, or a kicker, a defense, anything. So and it's part of the strategy is to get people to overpay on stuff. Absolutely, yeah. the strategy is to get people to overpay, right? And typically, you know, when there are more people with more money left out there and more spots open, it's a easier to get people to pay more money than it is later when people have already gotten some positions, they've spent money on other players, you know. And so it can be a trick to wait to nominate really good players until later because people have spent money and then you can get them for less. Of course, then, you know, that assumes the other people don't nominate them for you. Um, But so that's one of the things, right? The second thing is you have to make sure you spend all your money because the money that you use for the draft is not used for anything else. 
Oh, so does it transfer it, to the waiver wire? No. So oh. if, you don't, oh, if you don't spend it, it's just wasted. So you still get the $100 free agent waiver budget. That's just, you know, fair for everyone. So if you, but if you don't spend your auction money, you just wasted that money. So right. make sure you use it, right? Use it or lose it, right? And, and so you can like get stuck at the end and being like, okay, I've kind of gotten some guys that I like, but like almost everyone else is out of money now and I can just get players for $2 and I'm going to be left with 20 bucks here. Well, you goofed then because you clearly could have gotten better players earlier on, you know, for like that extra few dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the like the other thing is that if you overpay for someone, you are now going to have to like regame plan yourself to like bring your budget back down, or you're going to end up being way overextended. And that was the problem that happened to me. I kind of I way overpaid for Travis Kelsey, and then I came back down, you know, and then I didn't end up getting other guys I had been looking to try and buy because I didn't have the money to spend without bankrupting myself, basically. And the system does at least like force you to, you can't go completely bankrupt because the minimum bid is a dollar, right? And so they will eventually force you to hold on to $1 for each roster slot. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, and so then you're down, you're at the mercy of like, if you only have a dollar per roster slot left, you just have to be like, I nominate this guy for a dollar and anyone can go, to and then you're screwed right like uh and you know by the end of the draft you know you're just filling your bench with random dudes at this point no one is overbidding anyone because who do you want the backup running back to the ravens or do you want the third string wide receiver on the dolphins or whatever no one cares it's just like pick which guy do you think is randomly going to be really good this year just pick them whatever what's the size of that league uh, that's a 12-team league, so it's a little bigger. Okay. Yeah. That's why I was wondering how you can start to get to a point where no one cares about positions. Yeah, that yeah. many teams. You know, 12 teams and then six bench slots. You're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel by the time yeah. everyone has filled out the I mean, benches. you're definitely looking for backups to good players at that point. Yeah, for sure. All the all the major running backs backups were drafted. Of course they were. For sure. For sure. Um. But, you know, I, I had a fun time. Like I said, I think I my my planned strategy didn't go exactly how I wanted it, but I think my team will do all right. I'm I'm hopeful, you know. And as uh, you correctly pointed out, Andrew, there's probably a top 10 player sitting on the waiver wire right now that no one knows, right? Yeah. There, there always is. Top 10 overall player just out there because someone is going to hurt themselves and their backup's backup is going to turn into a star and no one's seen him. And that happens every season, right? Of course. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, I've been playing a different kind of mental drafting. Card drafting. JJ. I love it. Covenant ranks are hard, you guys. Uh-huh. Okay. It's covenant ranks, I'm referring to Monster Train. Um. Mm-hmm. You can, it's like an amplifier for making the game harder. You start the first one and it makes everybody have more health. And you start the second one, they start adding junk cards to your deck. The third one, they double the junk they're putting in there, I think, which is extra cards you can use, but they might not be what you want. Um, it's not junk. They just put in like random cards into your yeah. deck at the start of the game, which but they can is be some junk ways, sometimes. They, it just. Uh, junk in terms of your build but they are real cards sure maybe yeah. sometimes they work out and they're like oh these are sweet ones but mm, not usually 
Okay, I'm so still... it sounds it, it sounds kind of like the cells system in Dead Cells. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very reminiscent. Uh, unfortunately, when you beat a Covenant rank, they add some gold stickers to your logbook for the cards yeah. that when you're in your deck. And mm-hmm. now it feels like my logbook is incomplete. And so now I've gotten the bug of like, well, maybe I could do Covenant rank two. Maybe I could do Covenant rank three. So the the Covenant ranks aren't what add the gold stickers. It's having the cards in your deck after a win. that On a Covenant gold. rank. Oh, you have to win on a Covenant. Oh, so you just do Covenant one. Yeah, you could I do it on do just builds Covenant. every time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also still have some of the heroes that I haven't fully uh, filled in on the logbook, what their abilities are, that kind of stuff. So I'm still kind of filling that mm-hmm. stuff in. Uh, so I got a little bit of the bug of where I thought I was going to quit uh, to keep going. But the Covenant rank does something when when you see those gold cards show up. It's like, well, I could try to use this card that I would never have used ever before because I don't think it's good. Did you find any sweet builds with random no, cards? No, you get you, se- you get six level six or seven, and then you lose because the card isn't good. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you proven right, or <laughs> yeah, are you yeah. pleasantly surprised? No, most of the time you're like, okay, okay, I want to gold this card because I would never use it in a normal run, but I got it because of the the draft or what you know, whatever reason that it ended up in my deck. Uh, how do I build around? ember drain four on my characters i don't know let's uh let's try this yes i know ember drain four not good uh that means michael that you have no mana to cast spells basically feels like a problem uh i mean it's not a problem if your guys are really strong sure yeah Uh uh-huh uh cards you would never use because you want to gold them and then you're like oh i lost i think that's one of those cases where you're like now I need to go back down to Covenant 1 because there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely have the experience of, like, I, I think the highest Covenant I've gotten is 5. I don't, I haven't gotten super high in a lot of the Covenants, but, like, y- you start having to be pretty focused in the higher ones where it's like, okay, I really need to be choosing to do this almost from the outset and then kind yeah. of, like, going that it- way the entire time and no you cannot let up on the gas pedal you need to constantly be driving towards that thing or you're not going to be powerful enough by the honestly i think past five you're probably looking at this is exactly what i'm going to build and if i can't build it within the first two rounds i'm restarting the run i could believe it you know because you know your strategy of oh hey build bigger decks it's actually okay um, it's a little inconsistent. I just gotta say. <laughs> well, you know that is that is when I said bigger, I meant you know it doesn't have to be sixteen every time. Twenty and twenty-two are still fine, but like you know, I'm not meaning thirty. If you're yeah, up, was, like, you know above was, twenty-five, you're doing a pro. It's probably I was struggling with inconsistency above twenty-four. That's for sure. Yeah, you got to yeah. be you know the the really rough part about the. Or the true junk that they add, right? Yeah. Those like dead weight Lights. cards. Yeah. That you can't even remove them in the things that let you remove cards. That's the real pain. I did have a really successful run on Covenant 2 where I had some blight cards and I got the guy that gets stronger with blight cards, uh, Dante or whatever. Uh, which, he, which faction was this? He's a, he's a classless card you get from one of the 
special events in the game. Oh, 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 okay. And he gets stronger based on how many bad cards are in your deck, like actual bad cards. So then you can kind of play around and uh, use the blight cards to your advantage, which, you know, was a very successful run, actually. But, yeah, sometimes the monsters are just like, no, I'm not going to give you the cards to create morsels. So the morsel deck you've been building for seven rounds will eventually fall apart because you do not have the cards you need. Hmm. I was like, please, please just give me the one. Any of these three will do it and I will win. No, no, no. Oh, you lost. Denied. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of monsters, how many monsters were in the Witcher film? Gosh, by what measurement? Oh, I mean, uh, there are there are lots. True monsters or or emotional monsters? Definitely Just about both. everyone. Definitely <laughs> both. You know the the Witcher, and I think this is. Uh, so I think we're going to talk about the. What is the full name of this? Nightmare the Witcher of the Wolf. Nightmare of the Wolf. The Nightmare. Netflix original origin story for Vesemir. Yes. And yes. slightly the story for Geralt, but not really. Not, I mean, only in as much as they say his name at the very end. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think, so we're going to talk about this show here a little bit, I think. Uh but I wanted to say up top that the the Witcher series and the TV, you know, the live action show does this as well. They make a pretty good argument for man is the true monster in a lot of instances. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. Uh, okay. And so <laughs> with, that being, with that being said, that's the spoiler warning, man, the true monster, the true monster Michael, train. Uh, how did you enjoy it? You know, I really like this. Um, I like that it was a, a a story, at least for me. Um, I, I know your your takes a little different, JJ, but for me, who I had no uh, prior knowledge of, having not actually played through any of the Witcher games yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was cool for me to revisit the world uh, in an earlier time period and see you know where they where they went with a different story. Everything before it quote unquote fell apart, even though it was probably already falling apart. Yeah, this so the the story here kind of winds up being um the the fall of the witchers. Yeah, and that is definitely not something that was depicted in the games. So oh, I, I okay. so it's just stuff didn't you heard remember about. it from that. I, I knew some of the lore around this from the books, but not necessarily direct the books didn't even, or the ones I've read anyway, which I haven't read all of them, haven't described this series of events. vesemir has been around, though. I remember playing yes. his card yes. in uh, uh, yeah, Gwent. Vesemir was, like, very briefly in the TV show. He's been in the games. Like, he had, you know, a fully voice-acted part. He's a guy who you know in the games. Uh, so I, I knew quite a bit about him, but not this part of his life, right? Because the games always have had Geralt as the playable character. And so then Vesemir is older because Geralt is very young <laughs> in the or not born in some instances, I think, uh, during parts of this. So, yeah, uh, it is very uh, interesting. And certainly the 
older witcher who's sort of the Vesemir's mentor. Deglin. Deglin, thank you. I couldn't remember his name. Uh, was not a character I knew. So that was a wholly new part of the storyline to me there. So uh, fun, fun tie-in about him. Um, Deglin was voiced by Graham McTavish, um, who you guys are probably more familiar with as the oh, voice of... Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Dracula. Dracula, yeah. In Castlevania. Uh-huh. Uh, he sounded familiar, and yep. now I know why. There you go. He's uh, he's also um, in... Oh, jeez. Um... Outlander? No, he's in the Hobbit movies. He's Dwalling. Yes, yes, he is. Oh, okay, sure. God, those movies are bad. I know, but <laughs> it doesn't help that I I just knew the... No, that's cool, though. I, I like... <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. He I don't remember where... I, Go for I don't remember where I picked up on him. I, I really Mentally. liked Dracula in the those Castlevania shows so i think that's awesome because dracula was one of the good parts of that first season for sure oh absolutely so i guess what else do i want to say about this do we want to go full spoiler mode here and talk about like the plot and stuff or do we want to talk more generally go for it whatever you feel like you need to talk about uh why don't we why don't we start a little more generally and we'll see where that gets us okay uh Michael, do you understand how magic works in this world? <laughs> um, it, it's tied to chaos? Question mark. Mm-hmm. That seemed to come up frequently. Um, it feels like there are sort of two sides to magic in the world. There's the magic that mages use, and there is the the magic that the witchers use. And as I understand it, they're kind of like two sides of the same coin. Uh, I think where the, the, the sorceress the, makes that analogy earlier on in this show, right? She talks yeah. about how like, oh, you are the, you're using the corrupted magic or something. To see exactly. Something like that yeah. yeah. So I, I'm like, it's interesting to me because I know a bunch more about magic because of the games touch on it very directly. And Oh, do they talk about it more? But certainly Witcher three uh, talks pretty directly about it. well if you're reading all the lore in that game it talks very directly about how magic works and where it came from and why the world is the way it is um and i don't know that that's necessarily canon in this show or the netflix show right because they haven't really talked about that stuff but it is interesting to hear that like cause the description isn't like doesn't uh the description does follow what i thought i knew right it's okay. not that it's like wholly wrong from that but it was a way I had never thought about it before. And because the the stuff that I always understood, right, was that witchers were mutations. And they sort of, they talk about that in this, right? You see the process of becoming a witcher. Man, it's brutal. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it was implied that it was pretty brutal. They show you, so as part of this, Andy, without, without going too much into it, they show you, you get flashbacks to Vesemir's childhood uh, and how he came to to be in training as a, a witcher trainee and you see him go through the trials uh and it's it is very cutthroat yeah I, it, that was kind of implied yeah it's i this i think even does a more brutal job of showing it than i was led to believe the thing were the thing was right 
Oh, you know, yeah. they train them. They do all this work training and making sure they're fit. And, you know, they know all this monster knowledge and they have all these skills as sword fighters and acrobats and all this stuff. But then they take these potions to like that cause the mutations and like just a bunch of them die. You'd see them carrying these kids out in carts. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think all of that was relatively implied from watching The Witcher. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not just implied anymore. Okay. Right. It is extremely unimplied. <laughs> and so I just I had always thought that like, oh, that mutation process is what gave him the magic powers, right? Oh, he could, you know, shoot fire out of his hands and do magic stuff with people's minds and stuff because of those mutations, because ma- magic, right? Sure. And so it was interesting for me to hear the sorcerers go, oh, well, you're just using the same magic I'm using, but it's corrupted somehow because of mutations. That, you know, that was interesting to me to hear that explanation. Because certainly the, you know, the sorceresses, and they, they talk about this even in the uh, the TV show, you know, they tap into this power, right? And they, they're drawing on this power, but they have to control it because otherwise, you know, it consumes them and causes them to go crazy and do all kinds of horrible things. And so it was just interesting to see a you know a very clearly a very powerful sorceress you know talking to a witcher who i always had the impression was like less powerful than a sorceress but maybe not now that i'm learning this that so that was interesting to me as well yeah they uh, they definitely seem equally capable of holding their own in this i think yeah i always got the impression Geralt couldn't hold his own, quote unquote, mostly because he was just tired and crotchety and not because he was incompetent. He was just tired of fighting all the time. Well, you kind of see like the as the as the show goes on, uh, you know, the the downfall of the witchers, they, you know, they're becoming less and less respected in towns and stuff. And it's like, you know, it's hard out there fighting monsters, man especially when you're good at it and all of a sudden no one believes there are monsters and that it's all a hoax and that they don't have to listen to you. And that's kind that of the, the direction that this movie story. goes. Yep. Hmm. Yep. It's like the same story repeats itself in all for all of history, no matter what universe you're in. <laughs> not wrong. Uh, you know, and the, it's not here telling a like super original tale, right? You know, the end of a storied species and a, you know, a, that kind of a thing is always one of those, like, I don't know, what's the literary term? Archetypes? Yeah. Where that's the, like, oh, the noble end of the last night and that kind of stuff, right? Uh, so, you know, I, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was well told. The flashbacks to Vesemir's childhood definitely give you more insight to, like, him as a person and why he's doing some of the stuff he's doing and then the uh <laughs> the magical stuff that goes on really messes with you as time goes on yeah yeah so i i will say and, and jj you can you can tell me if this happened to you there is one i don't even know that i would call it a twist but there's a small revelation that goes on it that happens as part of the plot and i think that if you've watched the tv show that it's not really a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's true. You're just watching a history lesson, basically. 
Right. Well, because you know the the all these events in theory, if it's the same universe as the TV show, took place well in the past. But in of, in so much as watching a documentary, being you weren't you wouldn't be like they did what in the past? You'd be like, yeah, that makes some sense because that country doesn't exist anymore. Kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, certainly. I think they're, you know, I think the, you know, props to them for telling, finding a way to tell a story where you sort of already know the end state is like, hey, in the TV show, there aren't a lot of witches around and the castle is super ruined and Geralt is kind of like, alone, oh, yeah, alone, <laughs> right? So, you know, how, do, some how did we get stuff. there? Yeah, use your imagination. And I don't know that the it even tells the whole story, right? Because there's not zero witchers at the end of this, right? Yeah. But there's certainly not a lot. There's certainly room for another movie, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or for there to be more witchers in season two of The Witcher. Also, also that, right? Maybe. Also yeah. that. Uh, also, uh, Graham McTavish, because he's apparently in season two of The Witcher. Oh, well. No way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he is, yeah. Hey, guys, uh, do you think... Oh, wait. Oh, interesting. Graham McTavish, you say? Yes. In Okay, huh. I will assume he plays a different character in season two of The Witcher. He's playing Dykstra? Okay, yeah, that's that is a real character, so uh, it sounds like maybe not a fake out. No, this is that I know who Dykstra is in terms of the lore. That's someone else. Dykstra is from the Nordic faction, right? Mm, Isn't he? I don't remember which faction. There are so many countries in those books, man. (laughs) It is impossible. (laughs) He's not from Nilfgaard. That's what I know. No, he's not from Nilfgaard. I'm pretty sure he's uh, he's a purple card. Maybe not. Maybe he's a blue card. Oh, you're talking about in terms of the... Uh, I'm trying to remember because I know Gwent. most of the names from Gwent. I'm trying to remember which name he, he was in Gwent. My guess is he's a Northern Realms card and not a... What's the other Red- faction? What was Redania. Redania. He's from Redania. Okay. Redania. Yeah, so okay. Redania. That's going to be a like Northern Realms card probably. Yeah. 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 Okay, so he's not the what's the the nor the nor the Norse faction? Um, shoot, they're the ones that didn't show up. Uh, that um, what's her name's mother was married to? Skellige. Yes. No. So we haven't not. seen them at all yet in the Witcher franchise. Correct. Yeah. There's a whole another set of countries out there, Michael, that you haven't seen yet. Bring it on. Yeah. Basically Vikings. Yeah. And like Scottish Vikings. Scottish Vikings, yes. Okay. Basically. Yeah. So uh, I yeah, I'm I think this was a cool show and it was really, I think, well animated. It despite I don't was it intentionally anime? I think it was some Everything not- coming out of Netflix is intentionally anime. So they yeah, have, and it, it was billed that way. JJ, it's billed as a Netflix anime film. All all okay. of their films recently, almost all of them in this genre of like for adults, are animated this direction because they use the same couple studios for all these. Films. I was going to say, I bet it was done by an anime studio, and I didn't yeah. look at the end, so I feel yeah. a little bad about that. But. They have they have um, I can't remember the name of the studio, but the studio that did 
um, Dracula and a couple other of those is like a now like almost like a publisher for them where they go out and they find even more anime studios to, to work under them and create this stuff. Hmm. Um, and they just sort of have that in their pocket for whenever they need to make these films. They make them really fast that way. Interesting. Yeah. I guess if you like get multiple studios working together on stuff, you can make it quicker. Yeah. And, that, that and you know, Netflix, sense. Netflix is a wanting of a quality, but not the most quality, right? It doesn't have to be a studio Ghibli hand drawn everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. certainly. Although and, that, that is actually what it put me in the mind of most was, uh, Howl's Howl's moving castle. Oh, the least Ghibli film. <laughs> well, there you go. It definitely is a... That's it, also this world, right? Th- like, the world of The Witcher is all about, like, haunting landscape dotted by single decrepit tree and, like, bleak misery because life is pain kind of stuff. <laughs> so it is easy to do the, like, sweeping vista shot with, like, the dead guy being picked at by crows and it looks cinematic and also fits the theme very well yeah. right yeah how long also, before they make a diablo movie <laughs> mm, gosh <laughs> yeah who knows man it's, i don't know that netflix wants to be associated with blizzard these it's days it's also it's also funny because activision bought a tv studio that i think is now defunct because activision was like we've got all these franchises and they bought a bunch of studios to make world of warcraft shows and Call of Duty shows and Skyland. They made one Skylander cartoon and I think they went under. <laughs> well, they made that World of Warcraft movie and like, yikes. Uh, Legendary helped make that movie though. So, oh, okay. So that was still under, mm. not under them yeah. completely. Yeah. I don't know. I shouldn't laugh because that means some people lost their jobs, but it was so many years ago now that. Yeah. I think it's funny. I think this show is worth a watch. I don't know that it will have like supreme significance to the TV show starring Henry Cavill. I, how, how about this question? My wife watches the Henry Cavill TV show. Do I need to force her to watch this? I how does it. she do with gratuitous gore? We watched Invincible together. Okay. What about this like is, this isn't quite that level. But also like spoilers for Invincible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I about guess. so Invincible has a lot of gore, but also it's telling like a specific kind of a story. What about like just gross body horrors? Stuff? Not into that. Yeah, then maybe not. There is a decent amount of that here. Okay. Yeah. But as long you know, as it's the, not you know, like I'm going to have to explain world. this movie, Vesemir nah, and all that stuff. No. Doubtful. All right. Gotcha. Especially like it, 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 you even saw it in the TV show. Some of those monsters are gross, dude. Yeah, they're really they, they gross great. looking. Yeah, they're, they're pretty. And there are a the good number. There are a good number of weird looking monsters in this that are gross. Oh, yeah. They probably they probably used this to make some of the stuff that they won't make for the show. Right, like they made a Striga for the show, right, and that's probably as bad as it's gonna get. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends what direction they choose to go with the show. There's a lot of weird stuff out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you certainly see a breadth of weird stuff in this for sure. Sure, uh, including like some real 
interesting stuff, I guess I will say. Oh, no. <laughs> what was that? What was that? Uh, it's like a... Nah, I'm just not even going to talk about it. I'm not gonna... okay. Andrew, you watch it and you decide. I, d- yeah. I don't think your wife needs to see it, though. All right. My plans got derailed, so we will catch up on that next week. We will also... Uh, you know what? No, first... Hmm. No, well, let's, let's say it first. Next week will be... Rebuild of Evangelion, Evangelion 1.0, UR, parentheses, not, parentheses, alone. Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll watch that for next week. Okay. We're going to do it. And I'll have caught up on The Witcher by then. But, so for people following along, Rebuild Evangelion 2007's Evangelion 1.0. Because most of you have Amazon Prime. It's on there for free. If you have Prime, which is not free, you are not alone. Which is yeah. somewhat of a I retelling, re- I think, right? Yes, I've I've got thoughts. I think that is intentional. So yeah, all the, right. You got to hold my them. Understanding the the uh, the description of the movie under the thing talks about you know stuff that I think we know and have seen through the show. So okay, yes. Uh, I want to I want to close on a on a on a quick. It's not even a game, but JJ, you have strong opinions about a type of music, and I want people to hear them because I think it's funny. <laughs> okay. Michael Michael Sean, friend of the pod, Sean from uh, Stanford football. Uh huh. And I and JJ were having a discussion. Oh, about, no, we're about, about Toto's it. Africa, <laughs> okay. in which Weezer's cover of Toto's Africa was mentioned. To which JJ responded, what? "A garbage song." There we go. There it is. <laughs> the cover or the song in general? <laughs> the cover. The song is fine. Toto's Africa is a classic. I don't hate it. It's not my favorite Toto song, but it's fine. Perfectly serviceable. The cover is so awful. <laughs> Why are Weezer still playing music? Do they even care about musicianship? Like, what are they doing, man? <laughs> oh, it is just like the most... Oh, it is the most like... Oh, sonic garbage <laughs> is what it is. Just terrible. Ugh. Oh. I already didn't like Weezer to start with, so I'm kind of like predisposed to not have a good opinion of stuff they're putting out. Especially... Wherein I think there are Weezer songs that I do like. Yeah. And like reasonable people can have a disagreement. Like I like some of the very early Weezer songs. Okay. And that's about it. And <laughs> basically nothing else. And there's obviously runs the gamut. They're still popular for reasons that baffle me completely, but. Well, because you know, old old, people, right? old bands keep making music for the people that like them, man. The Rolling Stones. Oh, shit. I shouldn't mm. say the Rolling Stones. Mm. Anyway. <sighs> rip uh, a lot rip of- on that to the, the drummer. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that era of music is still making music. Certainly. And I won't begrudge people who like them. I just think in this instance, do better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're <laughs> done. They've made so much other music. Why are you guys covering Africa? What are you doing? What are you doing? Why what not? are you doing? JJ, I want you to know something. I'm going to say yep. it here live for you to see what you think. Okay. 
Africa was nominated for Alternative Rock Song of the Year. That's Weezer song? In 2019. Are there no other alternative <laughs> rock songs being made? I mean, I guess, you know, there aren't a ton of rock music coming out these days like there used oh, to be, right? No, not in the same way. Oh, my God. Have we fallen so low oh. that, like, Board <laughs> Rivers Cuomo is what we get? And if that's song of the year, like, oh, man, Board oh. Rivers Cuomo. That's what I want to hear. Oh. I don't I don't dislike the song that much. I think Toto's Africa is better. But, like, if Weezer's Africa Un- came undeniably. on, I would... I would... Demonize it in this way, but I think it's so funny, Michael. You had to hear it. Oh God! Oh. Stick around oh. for the spicy music takes, friends. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, uh, in that vein, I had you listen to "The Land Down Under" by the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus before this mm-hmm. to see what your thoughts would be on the uh, famous "Land Down Under" redone. By mm-hmm. the not so famous red jumpsuit apparatus. Uh, how did they do? <laughs> I mean, did they live up to the men at work? I didn't. I t- I purposely didn't pick a song where it was like, and this yeah. band redid uh, Michael Jackson because you just be like, well, Michael Jackson's is better. There's never yeah, so a chance I, I that I'm ever a, gonna get get it right on that one. But so I think this is this is a case where I I don't like the alternative rock cover of non-alternative rock song oh you're not a pop to uh pop goes punk kind of guy no not generally where do you land on that michael uh it just depends on how it's done so i it's i didn't i don't hate this cover (sighs) as much as i hate that weezer's weezer's africa Uh uh-huh but i i didn't particularly like this but i didn't hate it right okay it was fine Michael, where do you land on "Land Down Under" by Men at Work? It it just it puts me in mind of, um, uh, what's the band? Uh, Yellow Card. Oh, uh, yeah, a little bit. They're kind of like this. They're uh, they're musical siblings in age, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're of a yeah. they're of a time together. Yeah, it's just got that same the the musical style has that same feel to it. Sure, but you like the old the original. Kirk. That's not fair. Yeah, I think the original song by Men at Work is also perfectly fine. Well, of course it is. It's also it's in in so much as Toto's is a classic, so is that. Yes, yeah. exactly. I would put them in different camps, though, I just like because Toto. I think I like Toto better than this. I think Land Down Under is kind of a, a campy song. Oh yeah, and Toto's Africa is not a campy song. Not in the same way. They meant it intentionally to be not campy, whereas Men at Work may have. Yeah, I, yeah, I think the, the original was just more tongue-in-cheek intentionally. It's so hard to know because of the 80s whether people were being campy or just bad. <laughs> There's also that. Uh, That's but true. Yeah, I, I, I think Toto were more sincere oh, in their desire man. to tell you about Africa than Men at Work were to <laughs> tell you about <laughs> The, the land, land down, down under. under. <laughs> oh god! I okay. That was calculated, by the way. That I picked two songs to talk no, about it today. Good, it was a good choice. That were both land-based songs. That were both okay. Or should we do this again? I think we should. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> if you think Are we you should just do this again, to torture me. Well, I, I'm sure Michael will start to chime in at some point when I offend him with somebody's covers. Yeah, <sighs> just make I mean, people just make new music. Don't cover people. Nope, solving no, problems. I absolutely vehemently disagree with that because this has been an enjoyable part of my day, and I don't want to miss it. Yeah, I mean, you want to you want to set me off with a cover talk. Uh... Alien Ant Farm covering Michael Jackson. I said that. I said that at the beginning because that was the first one. I knew it. I knew that's the one that I was going to talk about when I said Michael Jackson. Right? Yeah. I think everyone can agree that that was not a good cover. It's a fine. Here's the problem. What are you going to do better? You're not exactly. So why I why make the attempt when all you? Why do they remake movies? Why do they remake movies? I mean, the disturbed cover of Land of Confusion. Why did you do that? Don't do that. <laughs> Disturbed is bad already. Don't. Oh. Don't make it worse. Okay, hold on. We can't we can't keep going today, but we'll talk about that next time. <sighs> if you have cover ideas for us to... Uh... Okay, I wasn't thinking of Land of Confusion. I was thinking they also did a cover of Sound of Silence that we have to talk about which for next time. Uh, oh, okay. podcast. I don't know if I've heard that one. Oh yeah, you're gonna hear it next time. Yes. Don't listen to it in advance. We'll listen to it live. I won't. Uh, podcast at wewergamers.com. Where else, Michael? Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are we were gamers on all those places. Uh, you should look us up on YouTube. Our YouTube channel. Uh, we were gamers, all one word. I believe that um, one of our recent side pods just went up. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Subspace finally went up. It was a little late because I changed the audio visualizer to not take 12 hours. And uh, and I also changed it. JJ, we have to do a we have to do we have to do a. What do you call it? Uh, Info session where I show you how I changed it to work a thousand percent better. I love that. Please show it to me. Yeah. So but uh, learning to do it that way, of course, costs us some time on posting the episode. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Anyway, YouTube. Yeah, so find us on there. Give us a like. Subscribe. And follow us next week for uh, Rebuild Evangelion 1.0. You are not alone. It's time to get back in the robot. Michael. Yeah. Don't get out of the robot, Michael. Oh, no. I am strapped in. I am... My head is under the LCO. Oh, nice.